Hyper Voice, episode 50. That is 5-0. This is a show all about Pokemon's video game championship series. I am your host, Steven Morioka, and today I am here with Alex Underhill. Heyo! And Kamal Harris. Hello. Welcome everybody to our show. We're going to be talking about Pokemon, of course. We're going to go over some feedback really quick. We're going to be talking about um, this episode number, and we'll talk about that later. We're going to be talking a little bit about Pokemon Tournament today, because Kamal has a lovely crossover at being good at both the VGC side of things, as well as Pokemon. And then we're going to talk about the Sword and Shield trailer that also uh, was dropped on us this morning. So we're going to talk about all these different things, but let's just get straight into um, this episode. First off, this is episode 50, so we are going to be celebrating... Something about the number 50, or actually it's quite the opposite really, to be honest. But we'll get into that just a little bit. Let's go over some feedback and questions to start off the show here. Um, from This comes from Twitter, from Alistair, who says, Been loving Soundproofcast and the Hypervoice. It's a good time for VGC content creation. So thank you so much for the feedback there, Alistair. And... Uh, Alex, do you actually want to go ahead and do a quick plug for the Soundproof cast here, really quick? Yeah, so the Soundproof is another podcast about the Pokemon VGC, and they just uh, started up. They released their first episode, I believe, on July 4th, and they're uh, hosted by the lovely guys of Brendan Lewis and Jake Muller. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, please do. They're uh, both great guys, uh, pretty experienced players in the scene. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it'll, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, seeing where they go with their uh, show. So do go over there and check them out, too. Um, yeah. Yeah, folks, definitely go check them out. Go support them. They are another show about Pokemon's video game championship series just like ours here. So go give them a listen. Go support them. Uh, it should be a really good time. So some more feedback we have is this comes from YouTube from Norwal Music, which says, can't wait for more videos from your channel. So thank you all for that feedback. And now we've got a question that we need to tackle here. So this question comes from Mr. VeganLiho95. I think I pronounced that right. Right? I don't know. That's a scary looking name to pronounce. It looks German, so that was the direction I took it. I probably said it wrong anyway. But anyway, Mr. VeganLiho95 says... What are the top three strongest Z-moves and their users in the game? No setup or help from other mons. And then in parentheses, it reads, abilities obviously factor in. So, how do we all want to tackle this question? My thought was to come in at an angle from what are the most popular Z-moves that we see in the VGC scene? Um, you know, which ones are used because they are strong, because they fit the team so well, and, uh, yeah, that was just my angle. I guess is it from, like, uh, every, uh, year, like 2017, 2018, 2019? That's a good point, too. Yeah, we could, honestly, we could pick three of the top Z moves from each year, and they could potentially all be different. Um, there could also be some overlap, too. But, um, yeah, I don't know, like, this is a really ambiguous question, uh, could be heavily opinion based, but um, let's let's just do our best here. So uh, I'll go ahead and start us off, and what I'm going to be picking is the top three strongest Z moves that we see in 
the Ultra Series because that's where we're at now and that's what's relevant. We like to talk about what's we like to talk about the past, but mostly the focus is on the now. And yeah, so I think that's fair. Go for it. I wanted to start off by uh in no particular order are these three. Um but Lunala's Z move, its signature Z move, uh menacing moon raising moonrays maelstrom. That uh that one is very strong just because of how good the ghost typing is and obviously the very strong base power. It all helps also helps Lunala a lot in the mirror, being able to one-hit KO other Lunala. Um, for a second place, I would give it to Necrozma's signature Z-move uh, based off of Photon Geyser, the light that burns the sky. Um, just because that's a Z-move that has incredible base power coming off of incredible stats and often is boosted by psychic terrain but i know we're not allowed to include setup in this question that's one of the conditions here but just with the nature of the game that's often how things shake out and then lastly it's a toss-up but uh between tornadus and incineroar but i'm going to give it to an incineroar for its signatures he moved menacing uh, not menacing it's uh malicious moonsault is it just the two words i believe yeah that's it yeah, malicious moon that, salt. That's, yeah, that's from Darkest Lariat. Yeah, so the the dark Darkest Lariat based Z move, malicious moon salt from Incineroar, honestly has not seen any use uh, ever since the introduction of Intimidate Incineroar. Really, until this year, where players are using it a bit more because of Lunala, because of the Psychic type Necrozma, and just other Pokemon that are weak to dark, as well as giving Incineroar a strong way to make use of its decent attack stat. So. Uh, yeah, and it's a, just a strong move to put on a Pokemon that you can fit onto any team. So, those are my top three. Yeah, let's see. Uh, it's interesting they have uh, uh, Lunala's move over Necrozma's, but I guess that makes sense because like, people are attacking against Necrozma's a whole bunch. That's like the first thing you would do. The reason I did was just because uh, you can't... like. While you can be immune to Lunala's Z-move, normal types are a little bit fewer and far between compared to the dark types that we always see in Incineroar. And so, whenever you're using Necrozma's Z-move, it feels like a toss-up between, do I target left, do I target right, which slot is Incineroar going to switch into? And if you get it wrong, you take zero damage, or you get zero damage dealt. However, when you use Lunala's Z-move, even if you do hit into an Incineroar, which does resist the attack, it's still dealing about, like, 40%, something really high and valuable. Yeah, so it does a good chunk. Also, Necrozma's isn't, or, uh, sorry, Lunala's isn't a two-step two uh, Z-move attack, <laughs> right? Because uh, Necrozma true. has to take, at minimum, two turns to enable to use it. I don't know, just, just a small fa factor that could play into it. Uh, Steven, do you have any thoughts on uh, three strongest Z-moves? So I kind of thought about this from like the most independent angle as possible from each of the Pokemon. Um, I guess over the three years in total we've had Z-moves, I would give it, I was going to go for uh, Lunala, uh, like you just mentioned. These aren't in any particular order. These are just like in the group of top three, for me at least. It's uh, Lunala from this season from both the Moon and Ultra series uh, for all the reasons you just mentioned there, so I can skip over that. My other one's actually Garchomp from 2017. So that was that played a really big role that year. You know, Garchomp hasn't been prominent the last two seasons, but it it was uh you know so common back then and just like Garchomp's Garchomp, it does it's really fast and it's really strong and it can hit hard 
uh, doing that, but um, it was just such a big, strong Z-move, Z-move user in that uh, first format we had in the Sun and Moon games. So that's uh, one of my other choices here. And then I'm going to give my other one to Tapu Koko's uh, Gigavolt Havoc. Oh, so, most definitely. So For basically um, every year the, it's been uh, legal. Yeah, because uh, the electric train is being set up by itself. So, um, you know, you get the electric type boosting from the terrain. Uh, you're getting stabbed from Coco, uh, stabbed from Tapu Koko there uh, for the electric typing. And it's like, even if you're hitting through a protect, you're doing a lot of good chip damage. And if it's a neutral attack, you're chunking a big deal. And, you know, even this attack itself is able to take KOs, KOs alone. And, you know, if, if you're going to be uh, doing super effective damage, then you're pretty much a goner. So Forget about it. Yeah. And especially for Tapu Koko, the Electrium Z has been <laughs> consistent. Um, maybe not so much this year, but it's been uh, common enough all three years. That I would put that in contention. Oh, absolutely! Like I, in fact, I'd say Tapu Koko's Gigavolt Havoc is like the definitive Z move. Like when you think of Z moves, that's what comes to my mind at least. Because like it's it, it's so strong that like uh, it basically just like eliminates like resist barriers from consideration. Because like if you can't resist it, like you don't have any business taking the hit. And the fact that it can like be based off thunder, like with electric terrain, it's like you have to like some Pokemon can't even count to survive it, but the ones that do have to have a whole lot of special defense investment and moves as strong, just like just like shifts defensive allocation like around around those like completely. And uh, while we did say we can't help uh, count setup or help from other pokemon um it is interesting just looking back to things like in 2017 where we saw arcanines often use helping hand with tapu coco's electrium z to take out other tapu coco uh (laughs) so when your own z move can take yourself out despite being a resist and not super effective like lunala versus lunala it's a pretty sad case yeah sure is i think another another factor that plays into tapu coco at least is it's is its own speed just being mm-hmm. f- so fast, like you're gonna get, you're gonna be able to get that strike off unless they're uh, they're immune to it. So, or or you have lightning rod, but uh, yeah, and immunity. So, if you have that, um, you know, you're gonna be in good spots. Yeah, in fact, it, it being so fast and that powerful means it's like the best defense is be faster, but be faster than a base one thirty speed Pokemon. It's like, well, interesting challenge there. Yeah, that really is like the top echelon of the speed tiers you know generally at least in my opinion like 130s that that cap essentially not a cap but you know it's essentially if you're that fast you're gonna be one of the fastest so uh kamal i think uh did you get to mention any uh two of the two other strong ones that in your opinion so there's top of coco did you have two others well i guess uh como clanging scales (laughs) That's the biggest one. The Ooh, Clangorous Soul Blaze. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Clangorous Soul Blaze. Okay, uh, yeah, just uh, describe that. Tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, like, I, I basically built my whole world scene around that. It's, just, it's, it's like, as, as the one thing I always disliked about Z-Moves is they were single target. And, like, you couldn't, I, I guess that's, it's probably better that there aren't many of those, but it's annoying, like, having to, like, just 
pick a poke pick a Pokemon and try and uh and like make sure that like hope they don't switch out or anything like that. Is you're basically you basically have to, with Z moves. I feel like you basically have to make a super hard read based on not a whole lot of info. But with Clanging Scales or Clanger Soul Blaze specifically, it's it's not even a read. You just throw it out, and it's 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 like. It's like even with the split damage, it's so strong. Like in fact, on my on my world's team, I used it with what was it, Tapu Fini, and I realized like the day before worlds that you know Misty Terrain cuts the power in half. I didn't even know because it was still doing the damage I needed it to. So like, <laughs> that, that was my bad, <laughs> probably why I didn't make it today too. But it's 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 super good for. I, I don't even get why people why people have that kind of hate for Clangor Soul Blaze. That's my, that's my favorite Z move of all time. It's like super strong. Um, let's see. For a, as for a third, <sighs> would I, I? I it's probably some form of tech rage because it's it's like I I got a ton of mileage out of like extra drill in twenty eighteen. That tectonic rage off the, off one of the fastest Pokemon game with Sand Rush, but. I feel yeah. I feel like Tectonic Rage is is a fair choice because you could you can choose from Garchomp in twenty seventeen, like I mentioned, your Excadrill in twenty eighteen, or even a Landorus Ethereum if you wanted, and then I guess Groudon back when it was still a regular form in Moon series, and I guess Landorus counts as well too. Yeah, personally, I'd I'd say Z Nature Powers. I'd I'd really want to put that as my number three because it it can like especially like off of what Whimsicott. Uh, although I guess like no other setup, so that doesn't count. But if it I'd that, count it still. Yeah, Z Nature Power is a really cool and unique one, and obviously yeah. we did see that win Worlds, so that was uh, that's a fun pick. Yeah. And then one last pick, just to be outside of the box here, even though I already did talk about my three, is um not Mimikyu's signature Z move, but just Mimikyu using Z Destiny Bond. I think that was a large yeah. part of the 2017 format, and just in general. Enabling Snorlax to do crazy Snorlax things. Definitely. Yeah, that was, that was like the closest thing to redirection in a in a meta that didn't have a whole lot of redirection. So I definitely respect that choice. And with how cool it was, just so so cool how it comboed into Trick Room because you either got up Trick Room or they KO'd one of their own Pokemon by knocking out your Mimikyu. There are ways around it, but like Roar or Taunt, but those were few and far between, and cheating. You can't use Roar and Taunt. That's cheating. <laughs> Not in 2017. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. So, uh, yeah, these are, I guess these are answers to the question. I know because it was so open-ended, we took a lot of different approaches to it. You know, if we, like, made our own separate categories, we could have, like, 27 different answers from the three of us combined here. So, um, I think we'll leave it at that. I Hopefully, hopefully this satisfies the uh, question here. But... Uh, what do you think? Anyone have any last thoughts? We can uh, move on to celebrating episode 50 here. It's episode 50? I know, right? This is uh, episode 50 for this episode. That is 5-0, not 15. 5-0, episode 50. Uh, what do you think? That's uh, pretty exciting, pretty fun. Um, can't believe we made it to our silver, no, gold anniversary, Steven? Yeah, golden anniversary. Is that r- is that right? Silver's, yeah, silver's what twenty five, and then gold. Yeah, because most people don't seventy five. You know, most people don't reach the a uh, hundred year anniversary when you're 
dating just because of uh human life expectancy but you know yeah so uh yeah this is pretty cool uh honestly back when we first started was unsure if we were ever gonna make an episode 50 and then um for other reasons you know we why we may have never made it episode 50 but we did make it eventually over time we're here now so in uh as a celebration for this episode number we're gonna be uh doing something a little ironic and talking about notable and iconic pokemon that were used under level 50 so as we all know the pokemon vgc is uh all your pokemon were to be are to be used at level 50 um in the modern years since 2017 all your pokemon regardless of their level are going to be automatically leveled to level 50 back in the past you needed to um be at a minimum of level 50 um if you're sorry that's not right um, if you wanted to be at level 50, you need to be at, at least, you needed to level up to level 50. Anything below that level would stay at that level. So, um, when 2017 started, we lost the level 1 Pokemon strategies, as well as level 48 and 49 kind of things. But, um, yeah, and back, like, in the early years, both in 2008 and 9, we didn't even have flat level rules, so flat battle. So, if you leveled up your Pokemon above level 50, they were essentially unusable. And I actually have a story about this. Cabal, maybe you you have uh, some experience with this as well. But when I... In 2009, when I EV trained my Zapdos, which you catch at level 50, you have to make sure you're getting small amounts of experience points so that when you're done EV training, you don't go into level 51, which actually did happen to me. Oh, so no. I had... Yeah. To, I, I did that. You know, this is right near the end of that... Uh, putting the EVs on. And... I was just like, darn it. So I just, I had to reset my game because I never saved my game when EV training. And then I had to try again and hopefully get less points that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you, yeah, you only had like one level to get all your stats in. And for, uh, some Pokemon were just like banned outright because of that. Cause like you can only get Tyranitar at level 55, but at level 50 max, you can't even use it. And there are some other Pokemon that, uh, that, you couldn't use certain moves because they learned above level 50. Like, I remember that's why no one used uh, Hitmontop with Close Combat in 2009. Because they learned it above level 50. Yeah, that's right. And everyone remembers the iconic uh, Toys R Us Dragonite. You normally could not use Dragonite because of the same reason as Tyranitar, but they held, Toys R Us held an event Pokemon where this Dragonite came at level 50. I believe it was Nature Locked into Hasty or Naive, something. Rash, maybe. It was a, it was one of those weird natures that weren't super ideal. But anyway, let's, uh, let's get into talking about this topic here. So all these Pokemon under level 50, whether, so anyone level 1 through 49 who have been uh, notable and iconic from 2008 to 2016. Let's talk about some of our favorites, some of the ones we all know about, some of the ones that are really cool to pull off some interesting strategies with. Um, whoever wants to lead us off here, go for it. Uh, yeah, so in 2012, uh, Ryuzaki and I were like uh, testing out Auron a lot. So that was like the first year where uh, they changed the they changed the mechanic... Th- uh, sturdy mechanics that's right yeah that's right along with berry juice so like it could take um three hits one hit from sturdy uh and, and it could take it could take one hit go down to sturdy 
get the HP back from the berry juice, take another hit, go back down to one HP is sturdy, and then after he got hit the third time, it will finally uh, faint. But it was notable because at level one, it, it could also use Endeavor, and it, it could bring uh, level 50 Pokemon down to, what was it, 12 Yeah, 12 HP. HP. Yep. Yeah. And it was it was like an absolute menace until you realized that you could just win the battle if you hit everything except Aron the entire time. <laughs> well, that's why, uh, and I'm sure you guys had it back then, but you had support like Sandstorm. Uh, sometimes Aaron can run Swagger to be able to finish yeah. off those last couple of yeah, moves. Yeah, Swagger, Toxic. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I remember I built a uh, level one Aaron team um, in 2016 and did nothing more than just uh, raid the ladder with it and had a lot of fun with that using Weavile next to it because this was in 2016, so I couldn't exactly use Sand to finish off my Pokemon. However, paired with Weavile, I often got to fake out one of the Pokemon and then endeavor the other. So Aaron would only take up one hit. The Weavile also had a Focus Sash to remain on the field longer. And then after they got endeavored, Weavile could just feint the one Pokemon while Aaron endeavors the other. Their team just starts getting whittled down and down and down and down. And then uh, the back two Pokemon can hopefully sweep from there. It was very fun. Um, and that's my main experience with uh, level one Pokemon. Yeah. And that uh, that berry juice mechanic that Kamal is mentioning about Aaron here... Um, would have, I guess, come in during Generation 5 in 2011, but 2011 was that regional Pokedex for the Unova Pokemon only, so that's why Aaron would not have been able to utilize it then. But um, that's, I guess, though, within that same generation, both Whimsicott and Cottony would also become notorious for being run at level 1 or 2 or whatever, uh, mainly because they had Prankster. And at such a low level, you're still able to go first using all your moves, and then Whimsicott can also utilize a uh, trick room or tailwind as well as um endeavor so um that was uh, something else notable and like most of these ones at level one especially utilize a strategy that i think uh this like acronym comes from back in the singles days from smogon which is the fear strategy right so each of the letters stands for uh the f is fake out so usually there's a fake out as a partner pokemon you have e as wow you wow you already started off by being wrong i did yeah. Fake out? What? Focus Sash. Oh, okay, you're right, you're right. So I guess back in singles, it would have been Focus Sash, right? When you in, uh, incorporate into doubles, it's like Fake Out and Focus Sash combined. Uh -huh. um, and then E is your endeavor, then A is you attack the Pokemon to knock it out, um, and then R is you, you repeat the process. So Yeah, the acronym as I originally remember it was uh, Focus Sash, uh, Endeavor, and then it was like a quick attack, but you ignore the Q. So I guess oh, okay, like you said, okay. <laughs> attack, and then Rattata for the R. Um, but I, I didn't know there was uh, possibly a VGC interpretation of it. Yeah, I thought I thought R was like rinse and repeat or something. Do the, utilize the strategy again if you can, because this was something that people in 2006 in Journey Across America did too. So uh, it wasn't necessarily using level one Pokemon, but it was utilizing Endeavor. So that's where like the fake out came from uh because focus Sash didn't exist yet that's why mm, oh yeah that's right it was like fake out endeavor attack the pokemon quick attacks so, or yeah attack the pokemon and then rinse and repeat the process um one other like 
big big one to mention here and Kamal I'm sure you're familiar with this one as well is the level one Smeargle um so it was prominent for many years from 2008 to 2016 when it was legal uh mainly because you could do a lot of things with it at level one because it could learn dark void um but in 2008 you know our first world championships that the winner I don't remember the name of the uh, uh right Moth. now but sorry Moth. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, Smeargle was at level one, and you know, you got Fake Out, you got Dark Void, and I think you also have Redirection and Endeavor. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah, and he had a ton of success with that team. Like, he didn't he win Japan Nationals even back in 2007? And then again in 2008. He, he actually, yeah, he won Worlds in 2008 and won. Uh no he, he he won like a regional in 2009 but I don't think he went that far afterwards but he had a ton of success with just that one team over the, over 3 years. Yeah. And you're talking about like a 2009 Japan regional, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh yeah, if uh that championship winning team at Worlds in 2008 would have been a level 1 Smeargle paired with Bronzong who sets up Trick Room and then you also have Snorlax and Metagross um who in the back and then I believe Snorlax would belly drum there as well, and then Metagross would psych up, and then they would sweep together under Trick Room. In one of the versions, there was Dustnar. I can't remember what mm. that was. It's been so long. Setter. Also immune to explosion. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Now, to ch- kind of steer us away from Endeavor, since that's primarily the main strategy when you're putting your Pokemon uh, at level 1. However, there are other levels between... 1 and 50, specifically the ones closest to 50, 49 and 48. Um, We saw these prominently in years like 2016, and uh, I would say maybe 2011. I don't know how much in 2012 and 2013 they were a thing. 2011 for sure, when Amoongus was super, super, well, still popular, but, um, you know, it was really big big back then, too. Um, People would put You can say it, Steven. You can say Broken. I'm not gonna say it, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Amoongus, um, they you know players would put their Amoongus at, on, under uh, sorry at level 49 to under speed under Trick Room, so um, that's essentially what these strategies like to utilize here. Yeah, so the 48 level 48 and 49 Pokemon uh, just basically operated under going second or trying to go first in Trick Room. Um, and we saw that with uh, the primals in uh, 2016 as well, because you wanted to guarantee get your weather set up or be the first Pokemon to attack in Trick Room, as running them minimum speed uh, was pretty common in the 2016 season. We see it a lot less this year, uh, this time around, it seems. But uh, yeah, back in the day, Bronzong, Cresselia, trying to skill swap the primals and then get the first attack was uh, a very common scenario. I remember, like... It must have been Gen 5 that uh, Zach Dracamp, Rivarius, had a ton of success with underleveled Amoongus. Uh, that was Gen 5, right? I think it was. Might have been Gen 6. I th- yeah, bit. I think so. I think it was Gen 5. Yeah. And I, I believe he came to con- the conclusion that... Uh, level 48 and 49, like, it's, it's nice for underspeed, but it's just destroys your defensive capabilities. Like, I think it more than undermines your EV investment. So you lose, like, something like five or five 
points in like in your best stats just just from going down to level forty nine. Forty eight is even more than that, which is why people uh, generally didn't do it unless it was like super necessary to get the jump on in the mirror. You know, and it was good for that Pokemon. for sure. But what was that? Uh, I was just saying a uh, another Pokemon that I think I do remember going under leveled at forty eight and forty nine. Uh, in the years like 2014 and 2015, might have been Aegislash, because uh, there was a bit of an obsession over being the slower Aegislash, so that when you attacked them, they were in sword form, you were in shield form, taking the hit and then KOing them back. However, in later years or in later times, people realized that they could just spam substitute as the faster Aegislash, and like, oh, I mean, I mean, Aegislash times were crazy, like just the speed, like. Well, I don't know what you would call it. the speed war uh, of Aegislash in those years was insane. Yeah. I don't know if any individual Pokemon's speed like mattered more like and varied more over the course of a season because of so many different factors and reasons. Yeah, people were like scared to like say what speed their Aegislash was for like entire gens because they, they wanted to like get like speed crept or anything like that. Yeah, and that, that was like the whole name of the game of using these level 48 and 49 Pokemon. I remember there's one time in 2012 or 13 where I would just be playing on Battle Spot and sometimes I see a Trick Room user like Jellicent or Chandelure at level 47, right? <laughs> and I would see that on Team Preview and I'm trying to figure out, okay, 47, that's weird. Why Why is it at 47? There's got to be some kind of reason for it. And I never came up with anything other than like they must have not leveled it up correctly. Because, like, they uh they either didn't bring it or I won. So, um, it just didn't make sense to me. But, you know, 48 was, I'd say, is, like, the lower limit you'd try to go for uh, speed creeping. At least under speed creeping. Um, other than that, like you mentioned, you're losing a lot of your uh, defense investment. Especially because I think in the damage calculations, being under leveled, you're also taking more damage as well. Com- compared to, like, a level 50 versus a level 50. Yeah, also factors in the damage calculation, too. That's right. Uh, one last uh, personal story, and then I guess one more general story, too. But uh, the personal story was at Collinsville in 2016 in the first round. I was actually featured on stream, though I don't think you could find this match anywhere. But uh, I was playing against a newer player who had a Sableye, I remember, at level 47. And uh, a lot of people were theorizing whether... Or not, this was some kind of strategy, but uh, after talking with my opponent, he just confirmed to me that he did not have enough time to finish making his team. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's hilarious. And, then, and don't worry, we believe you. We believe this story. And then the uh, the other story, just in general, was in the same year, in 2016, there was a Pikachu of level 27 used in a, uh, I believe it was a Singapore uh, championship or something or other. Uh, that was national, right? That was a national, uh, I thought. Yeah, yeah, it might have been a national in uh, Singapore. Uh, I might be wrong, but there was the famous level 27 Pikachu, uh, which was for Focus Sash Endeavor reasons, but the reason being that it was one speed point slower than Primal's, while still being the minimum level to be able to uh, have the least amount of HP for Endeavor purposes. 
and it was focus sashed. I think it was, you know, fake out Endeavor quick attack, something like that. But uh, maybe those videos exist. Maybe you can go find out and see what it is like. But I just remember that was a crazy experience because a lot of us were just like, what, what are you doing? Because this is, this isn't level one. This isn't level 49. It's like just dead in the middle. I still can't believe that worked. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that's probably enough about level 50 or not level 50 things for our 50th episode here. Oh, can I, can I ask one more question about this? Yes. So, uh, my question here is once we got the change to in 2017, where that everything's just gonna be level 50 regardless. Um, what were your just like initial reactions when you heard that? Like, okay, all these underleveled strategies are no longer going to be no longer going to exist essentially for uh, the rest for the future. I uh, I won't lie, I was bummed because uh, I had so much fun in the 2016 season with my level one Aaron strategy that when they were announcing Sun and Moon stuff and you know announce filling in the Pokedex as they were going, I was looking at Pokemon that I could start doing these new strategies with. Uh, and oh, I, nice. I had already locked in on Probopass because Probopass at level two can use Pain Split. It also gets priority moves like Wide Guard to have other utility. So I was just super ready to just try out Probopass. And then they announced this new rule, and I was like, oh, that goes a lot. There goes a lot of wasted thinking time. Um, yeah, I, I kind of miss Aaron, but I wasn't really that big of a fan of like just level one smeargles so i was happy to have that out of the way sort of i i don't know i haven't used level one pokemon in like ages so I, I didn't really think that much of it at the time okay fair enough and then i guess what i would say here is i was i always hated playing against any level one pokemon is always very stressful um and i always saw the level 48 and 49 pokemon as gimmicks at best and you know everyone would always you know, they would like, like laugh and scoff when you saw that uh, on stream or something in the most, the, the more recent years, like 2015 or 16. So I'm glad they're gone, that everything's just at equal level at 50. Uh, it does save a lot in game in terms of uh, training nowadays. So that's nice. Um, you don't have to go level up your Pokemon all the time anymore. Um, if they did start at a low level. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, I'm, I, I was glad that change happened and we were uh, moved away from that. But it's always nice to kind of reminisce and talk about and celebrate these Pokemon who, uh, uh, I guess, outperformed themselves um, not being level 50. So, um, yeah, let's transition to our next topic here. And now, Kamal, you have the prestige of being a very good VGC player as well as another one of Pokemon Pokemon's uh, games. I guess specifically another video game because there are a lot of people who are good at both the video game and the trading card game. But you're pretty solid at Pokken, I hear. So um, I guess you also, you have the, I guess the story from this just most recent international in Columbus of you made day two of the international and the VGC side, and then you dropped that to go play Pokken the next day. So just uh, tell us a little bit about that, uh, why you decided to do that, and just uh, talk, talk to us about Pokken Tournament. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, uh... This year's this year's NAIC, I I actually didn't plan to play VGC at all because I, I I wasn't arranged to get an invite and I hadn't uh, touched Ultra Series like at all. So I I mostly just made a last minute decision to sign up for VGC 
but the whole plan was to play Pokin uh, throughout. Well, this story dates further back. I think you need to start a year ago in 2018. So, yeah, in fact, the same thing happened. Like, in 2018, I was was on the verge of... Actually, I was about to miss my uh, world's invite, so I was mostly focused on Pokin. For the video game, yeah. Yeah. The world's invite. And, uh, yeah, I I wound up entering VGC... Which was actually, I'm I'm amazed I was able to do that because like, I really didn't have the money to play both. So some friends of mine definitely helped me out there. Um, but I actually managed to go seven two in VDC to qualify for day two. But the, my plan was still to play Pokin, and like I had just by placing top top thirty two, I would I would have uh, qualified for Worlds, but they wouldn't let me drop out of VDC. <laughs> Uh, to play Pokin. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. So I, if Kamal I had, drops, I had, he would have lost his uh, not just the CP to get his world's invite, but also yeah. the money. Yeah. Yeah. So they made me drop out of Pokin. Like, in fact, like they didn't let me. They they made me like straight up DQ me out of Pokin, even though I was already in it. And I had to play. I had to. So it was a weird Saturday that where I was. I thought I assumed I'd be just be sitting in the Pokemon area, but I was in day two VEC. It's like, how did that happen? Um, <laughs> but yeah, day two of VEC didn't go quite as swimming as day one. I kind of busted out there, but it was too late to rejoin Pokemon. So like, I was just still stuck at top thirty-two no matter what. But at least like with the money I won from uh, uh, from placing day two, I. I managed to go to Worlds with that. But then, like, fast forward to 2019, and I wind up top-cutting again in VDC. Uh, but a couple months ago, they changed the rules, and they, they had indicated this was for TCG, um, where if you have, like, you if you drop out of, if you drop out of, um. Yeah, if if you drop out of the tournament, then you can still keep your money and your placing. But for, in order, like, and they let me do that this time, so it didn't wind up the way it did in 2018. But I still had to sit through uh, at least the first round of day two because due to however however way Tom works, like they couldn't drop me just out of like day one. I had, they had to put me in day two. Play for, uh, play my first round, and then drop. So like, it, it's still weird how they handle that. But at least I managed to uh, go and play Pokemon. Like considering I finished six three in VGC, like I I didn't have a whole lot of a future in day two, especially because my first round I got paired against uh, Bradley Fam, who dealt me a pretty quick zero uh, two in day one. So. If I if I played that one, I probably would have gone down to six four right quick. Um, so I I definitely feel uh, I don't regret going to uh, going to play Pokemon even though I made day two. Um, but yeah, I, I Pokemon didn't really turn out the way I wanted to because I, I I went down to Slipping Bug in round three and then. Uh, Steph Mickey, who was recently uh, 
uh, he's he, he was he was recently uh, voted number one on the Tri-State PR. So he's a, he's a really strong player, but I he he managed a comeback win on me, and I fell in the top sixteen. So uh, a bit shy of the top four needed to qualify for Worlds. So I'm gonna be going through the LCQ in uh, DC to try and get one of the two spots remaining there. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So. Have have they been having like LCQs the last four years since it's been out and since twenty sixteen? Uh yeah, the tw- yeah every year um twenty sixteen twenty seventeen twenty nineteen um in fact in twenty sixteen they had a kind of a large LCQ but it's just been getting smaller and smaller every year like twenty seventeen I believe was top four in the bracket. Um, and I think it was the same for 2018, but 2019 is definitely, in fact, there was only supposed to be one slot, but Wayne Tide, defender of EU, who won the European International Championships, isn't going to be able to make it to Worlds because he has to work. So, when he, in the event that he does not show up to uh, world to Washington DC. His spot's going to go to the LCQ. So instead of one, instead of one person qualifying, the, it'll be the, the two people. The winner, the winner's back. The winner loses bracket. Mm-hmm. So that's a really cool concept that uh, you got the LCQ as another chance to get a Pokémon Worlds invite and uh, another reason for you to make it out to the World Championships, other than to just uh, watch the video game finals and what have you. Although like I, I still have it in me to play in the uh in the what is it called? The Washington DC Open this Oh year. yeah, the Open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I played it last year, but I I kinda wish I could have seen Pokemon. Like, thanks a lot. Tore up in it it like at the same time the open was going on. I really wish I could have seen that. I had to watch the uh, the bottom, which is like recently passed two million views, definitely recommend mm. checking that out on the official Pokemon's YouTube. That was his match over Taru Taro. Yeah, definitely go check that out. Uh, you know, I need to, I need to go watch a little bit more Pokemon because it sounds very interesting. Um, but yeah, um, in terms of like choices for the DC Open, that's something I'm gonna be steering away from. I'm not gonna like try to influence anyone to stay away from it, but. Um, you make your own choices. I think people know how I feel about the open events we have at Worlds, um, that start counting for next season and all that. But, Kamal, I've got a few questions here for you about Pokémon Tournament, right? So, so two questions. Who has been your main over the last few years, over the, you know, different iterations of the game? Because we had Pokémon Tournament and then Pokémon Tournament DX? Or is it Deluxe? Uh, DX, yes. DX, so... Um, who have been your mains over the last few years? And then how would you just generally describe the game to somebody new to it or new to fighting games? How is it different from like other traditional ones? Hmm. How is it different? Okay. Well, I guess uh, starting with the main, it's just kind of funny because like, I don't really have much of a main. Like, I started off with Charizard, but as time went on, I started playing, I started like messing around with other characters. And like coming up with like tournament counter picks and stuff like that. And I wound up like getting really good with every single character in the game. 
like if like I I could literally uh pick random and just be fine like which whichever character I play. But in tournaments, I usually cycle through. Oh God, ten characters still out of twenty three. Um, but yeah, I start off with Charizard. I guess like when when my back's really against the wall, like if I had to like. Uh, win win a high value money match. I'd probably pick Mewtwo. Like just just like not even taking into account what, what my opponent be using. But Mewtwo is probably my strongest pick right now. But yeah, I've, I've been playing Charizard all this time. Uh, I've I've really been interested in uh, Gengar and Scizor because no one plays those characters and they're really complicated. Uh, they have really complicated executions. So I've been uh playing those a lot just to. Like come up with a game plan that like even if even if I won't be able to get magical experience like I play them I know how they play so I can use that knowledge to fight other people like whenever they come along. Um, let's see. And as for describing how it's played, um, let's see. Uh huh. That's an open. Uh, could you repeat the question again? Yeah, of course. So I was just wondering, like. How you how would you describe Pokemon Tournament as a game to anybody essentially? You know, how is it different from other traditional fighting games? How's it similar? Um, well I guess the biggest difference between it and other fighting games is the field phase, the three D mode that occurs like you, you start off the round in it and then whoever gets a specific hit on the other person uh forces uh, triggers a switch to dual phase, the two D mode. And gets a fair bit of meter for uh, quote unquote winning the phase, um, but the presence of field phase helps dual phase out a lot because like if you get if you rack up enough hits in dual phase, you switch both players switch to field phase, and Pokin has a weird balance quirk where there's actually a lot of combos that would be infinites like legit unescapable infinites in any other fighter, but after 21 hits or however many phase shift points, they automatically switch to field. The the loser of the phase gets in, in some invulnerability, and it, it just resets to a more neutral situation. So field phase um, is a is just a catch all to uh, to to stop all the to to stop strategies that would otherwise be kind of degenerate in Pokemon, I guess. Yeah, other than field phase, the difference between Pokemon and other games, um, let's see. I I guess it'd be the armor system, because like every character has like sort of like a focus attack in Street Fighter, where like it's uh like you press heavy and special it it you armor certain attacks and can counter and that's a blue attack that can be beaten by grabs which which just like unless unless the counter attack has a hitbox out grabs just automatically beat it um but the big thing about that is it's it's pervasive through the, the entire game it's like you're never like 
totally out of the woods, even if you have the opponent minus, because they could either counterattack, or if you're expecting them to counterattack, they could dash back or jump, which gets invincibility to some low and mid-low attacks on frame 5. So the basically the pressure system and the defensive system all hinges on the on counter the armor system and that, that's that's what makes it that's what i feel makes it different from like other fighters um as for and one one thing i had there there like the obviously the big the game i was like most into before i went to pokemon was vdc so I feel like strategically the biggest there there's a lot of differences between VC and Pokin, but as for thought process, Pokin, as with other fighters, the way you want to uh, go about the player versus player aspect is you want to eventually condition the opponent. You want to be able to uh make plays based on what you think they're going to do. Whereas in VDC, like, there's only a few turns in the balance, so many moves you can make, and you don't really have that much leeway to condition a, a, an opponent, especially like in, like, a best-of-one or, like, a showdown battle or a best-of-three set in tournament. So I feel like in VDC, most of your player-versus-player decisions are going to be based on what you hope they're going to do sort of like if you have like a say like a surprise strategy like with your evs or your item choice like you're basically hoping they'll act on the assumption that you have something different but in pokin or other fighters you want to the the goal is to get a beat on them and uh and straight up read what the what you think they're going to do rather what you hope they'll do Okay, yeah. So I like I like uh, a lot of those. Um, you know, that's kind of kind of leading into my next question was like, uh, you know, just relating VGC to Pokin and you know the skills that translate. So it's kind of neat hearing uh, just the different way the thought process go uh, along there. So, um, and I think I think what everyone and but what both Alex and I are lo- most curious about here is you playing Pokin tournament DX. All of you Pokemon players have been playing on Switches already at official events, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we're trying to figure out how are we going to be util- utilizing the Nintendo Switch for VGC come the 2020 season once we get Sword and Shield. Um, how do you think that's going to be utilized uh, just based on your experience with uh, the Switches you've seen at events so far using Pokemon? That's a good question, actually, because... Pokin still is is we we use pretty much the same methods of connectivity as we did for uh Pokin for the Wii U, which is like we connect two consoles together using a LAN adapter and we play like on just regular gaming monitors. But that doesn't it that doesn't really synergize with how we've been approaching VDC since time immemorial on the on the DS and the three DS, which is like you have two consoles. Well, I guess you have two consoles. They they can somehow connect through infrared, thanks to um, the black and white cartridges or the 3DS port, and you just bring your system and you play. I don't think that's really an option on the Switch, because like if you look like on the on the on the Switch handheld, like the the IR port 
I guess that's what it is. It's, it's like on the bottom of the right Joy-Con where it wouldn't really be doing that much good in like a player versus player VC match. So, and that begs the question: like, how would you go about uh, connect uh, connecting uh, two players? Like, if you if you can't do it over IR and the the cartridge is covered by that little uh, game card uh, uh, little cover. So, like, how how do you connect? Like LAN, I, that's kind of an option, but like then you have to like lug around a whole bunch of TVs to each tournament. That's not really a viable option for like the smaller level tournaments like PCs or mid-seasons. So in fact, like, that's one of the reasons why Pokin has a hard time like getting to a whole bunch of events because we need like double the monitors to connect and handheld isn't really that viable of a choice. Um, because like, you know, yeah, you still need to connect, like, wire and all that. But, yeah, and so, as far unless, like, they push through uh, an updated Switch dock. Like, the, the Switch dock, that, that's, it's, it's like, it's a, it was a fun concept in 2017, but it really doesn't serve Pokemon's purpose, like, 2019 and onward, like, as far as far as communication is concerned, um, I'd really hope that I I don't I don't hold out too much hope for them uh, doing it by the time Sword and Shield are released, but I'd hope they'd uh, release a new version of the Switch dot that has a more direct uh, LAN connection and also an IR port that ha- that leaves the screen open so that you can like. Connect the two docks together and still play your uh, Switch handheld connected to the dock. Like I, I, I believe they make uh, third-party ports with the Switch screen still exposed while in the dock. And I'd like to see something like that, except may, actually made by Nintendo. But until they get that straight, like it's it's definitely a question mark of how are they how are they going to get like Sword and Shield games to connect to each other in tournaments, especially low-level tournaments. Um, yeah, at the very least, we're going to have to see how Pokemon chooses to solve that since we don't really do much grassroots here in VGC. Um, hopefully, Pokemon comes up with a reasonable, feasible solution. Yeah, if that, like, back in, like, 2008 through 2010, like, for their regionals, nationals, and worlds, they would actually make, they would actually bring their own DSs uh, mounted to these white boxes that could yep, connect to each that's other. that's right. Yeah, they could, uh, like, it wasn't bring your own DS back then. Like, they provide them for you, and they'd, they'd have to bring, like, hundreds and hundreds of those, costing them, like, probably no small amount of money to, uh, to, just to get those to connect in the days before, like, they built IR ports in their game cartridges or the consoles. Um, but that's, definitely not an option even if that were an option for sword and shield it'd be impossible to implement for the lower level tournaments which tend to take place in like uh comic book shops and things like that speaking of sword and shield yeah we did I think, get uh, that's a bit a, of uh yeah i think it's a good time to switch over to the sword and shield uh stuff news that happened here but uh 
Uh, yeah, that's a that's a lot of good info about Pokin Tournament. Um, Alex, you have any inclination to switch you know, switch games over to Pokin instead of VGC? Are you gonna stick? Uh, no, <laughs> no. I think I will uh stick to VGC and switch to Sword and Shield when the time comes. Hey, Ooh, might be worth a very try. Good. Like, once, you, once you got the switch, you just have to get the Pokin cartridge. It's like I I feel like people uh, it'd be a good it. I feel like even if you got the Wii U version, like the Switch version had a ton of balance changes, which made the game a lot more, just a lot better all around. And they added like seven new characters. That's Darkrai, Scizor, Krogunk, and Poliand, Decidueye, slash Blastoise. So it is definitely a different experience than it, uh, than it was on the Wii U version. So definitely, definitely recommend like picking up Pokemon Tournament DX when you're picking up Sword and Shield this November. Excellent. So... Um, yeah, a lot of good wise words from Kamal here about Pokemon Tournament. You know, a lot of interesting things to think about moving forward about, uh, VGC on the Switch and what we're going to be doing in the coming months. But, um, you know, Alex has been, you know, trying to nudge us along here. But, Alex, take us away with some of the Sword and Shield trailer info. We, uh, got revealed actually today as the day we were recording this, um, earlier this morning. It was funny, uh, cause, uh, at work today, I was just asking, you know, just asking you, hey, are we still good on for the show and stuff? And you're like, yeah, did you see the new trailer? And I was like, what? What What are you talking about? What, what, what's going on? So uh, this was news to me today. It's very surprising, but take it away. It was news to me, too, because you're not too late to the train, Steven. It came out just this morning, fresh off the press. Um, we got a new trailer from Pokemon announcing a couple of new things. Uh, just to go down the list before we break them down specifically... Uh, we got four new Pokemon shown off, uh, technically three if you've uh, played the demo. Uh, a new variation on the main com- mechanic in Dynamax uh, called Gigantamax, or Gigantamax. Not sure yet how that's pronounced. Uh, then we have the introduction of G-Max moves, which are a variation of Max moves, um, which we are we know are exclusive to the Dynamax mechanic. And then some version-exclusive Pokemon and gym leaders were shown off, as well as some other story characters. But uh, those first three bullet points, I think, were, are where we're going to reside. And let's uh, kick it off with these new Pokemon. So to run down the list, uh, the four Pokemon that uh, we were shown today uh, include Yamper, who was the one Pokemon I uh, was kind of referring to that is a not quite new as a lot of people got to see it in the demo it's been leaked before it's been around so uh however uh we got to see three other new pokemon the first was i believe al creamy yeah that, uh, that little uh cake fairy it's got sweet veil. slurpuff too like uh it's slurpuff too what what was it slurpuff <laughs> yeah slurpuff. it's it's just slurpuff too yeah um that's what i've been telling everybody i'm not too excited for that one it does look cool it looks tasty that's all i gotta say it It does look tasty it just makes me hungry it looks like a dessert like a shortcake or something but um yeah another fairy type to add in here um and what what were the other two uh additional ones gigantamax into a great big wedding cake (laughs) and And, uh we'll get to that we'll get to that but uh roly-coly uh, is a rock Pokemon that was added, and uh, it has a new ability, which I think is worth talking about, uh, Steam Engine, which boosts the Pokemon's speed drastically. Uh, drastically means plus three, 
uh, or greater, I believe, because uh, if you ever get into a situation where you're boosting plus four or more, it still says drastically. Uh, but I think we can infer that it's going to boost plus three speed uh, if the Pokemon is hit by a fire or water type move. Uh, a lot of people are talking about this one because as a rock type, it resists fire typing. So that's kind of convenient for it to get that boost while not taking much damage. Yeah. However, if you were to self-set up some kind of situation where you hit yourself with a water type move, you could activate a weakness policy and have plus three speed, plus two <laughs> attack or special attack. And as a rock type, you might be clicking rock slide at insane speeds, which is always fun for us VGC players. Spicy. Oh my gosh. This makes me so excited for this Pokemon. Um, I'm a big fan of Roly Coley. Uh, in case anybody oh. doesn't know, I was a geology major, so I'm a big fan of rocks. So I'm all for this Pokemon. I love the, I love this new ability. Um, it's going to have a lot of potential, I think. Well, we'll see what the stats look like, but just based on the ability, I could see, you can see a lot of use coming out of here. He looks very much like he could evolve. I, I mean, I'm almost certain. Now, uh, the last one that I wanted to cover is Duraludon, uh, obviously saving the best for last. Uh, a steel dragon type, which we haven't seen since Dialga. Um, yeah, that's right. Looks, uh, looks a bit fun, looks a bit cool, and then the abilities are just light metal and heavy metal, so uh, rock out. But uh, <laughs> It's so lame. Those just, are so, such lame ability choices, you know? <laughs> Like, yeah, it's weird I mean, it, like it's that tall, but only weighs eighty-eight pounds. Like, what's the density on that thing? <laughs> it's, it's probably like hollow on the inside. It's I'm uh, definitely it. going to learn heavy slam. I'll tell you that. Yeah, like tinfoil or something like that. Oh, and uh, isn't there a steel move that like increases your speed or something? Gear grind, no. automize, or rock polish or whatever. Automize. Automize. Yeah, that's that's the one. That's gonna learn. It's either that. automize or autonomize, but I think it's just automize. Yeah, whatever. Now, <laughs> um, the new Pokemon all look pretty cool. Uh, Steven mentioned his favorite. I mentioned my favorite. Uh, Kamal, which one would you say is your favorite of the new ones? Uh, I ain't like it. Out of, the, out of the ones from today, definitely Roly Coley. All I right. Really, I really so we got two votes that. for Roly Coley. Rock yeah. on, rock on, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Now, uh,. Another new mechanic, uh, or should I say a spinoff of a mechanic, is uh, Gigantamax, which is a form of Dynamaxing. And what this introduces is basically uh, Pokemon-specific form changes uh, with that throw a twist onto Dynamaxing. Now, to run down the ones we saw in the trailer, we got to see Dreadnought, a Pokemon already shown off in earlier trailers of the game, uh, a rock-water type, and... When it Giga or Giganta, yeah, Gigantamax, Gigantamax, <laughs> uh, whenever it Gigantamaxes, it takes on a new form that's a slight variation, slight different look. Obviously, gets bigger like you're used to seeing. Um, and in the trailer, it simplifies this by saying the Gigantamax Pokemon change appearance and size. Uh, however, the. I think the kicker was not shown in the trailer, but. Uh, you can find online on like Cerebi.com, and uh, right now I'm having a bit trouble. Cerebi's a dot net. Sorry. Cerebi.net. Cerebi's a dot net website. Cerebi.net. But uh, yeah, the gigantic. So we have a new introduction of G moves, which are or not G move or G max G max moves, which are a variation of max moves, which we saw for Dynamax, and uh, yeah, they were. 
exclusive to these three form Pokemon. Uh, the three Pokemon would be Alcremie, as we, uh, who was just introduced, Corviknight, and Dreadnought, who were shown off in earlier trailers. Yeah, so these, I mean, like, it seems like we're going to be having uh, Dynamax moves and then Gigantamax moves. So we'll have D-Max moves, G-Max moves. Um, These were specific to these Pokemon, too, which all have their own individual effects as well. Um, So it's it's this weird dynamic because you can see how um, are these going to be separate from Dynamax? Are they, because these are their own separate entities other than just turning larger, making your Pokemon monster grow. Um, these are getting form changes and like these special moves. So this uh, this is interesting. I don't know really what to what kind of take to take on this. Um, what more we're gonna see? Because this is just the beginning. You know, this is just the beginning of this. So uh, to the forms are very fun. The forms look uh, a bit silly. Alcremie definitely taking on the largest uh, appearance change in turning into a giant wedding cake, as Kamal had mentioned earlier. You know, from far away, it kind of looks like Gothitelle. You know how oh, it's kind of tiered? Oh, I see what you mean. It's kind of tiered. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Corviknight and Dreadnought just kind of looking like larger forms than themselves with that red tint that the Dynamax Pokemon all have. Now, uh, the I think, especially for us competitive players, the thing that stands out the most are these G-Max moves. Um and to run down the list, Alcremie has one called G-Max Finale, uh, which what happens is any fairy-type move used by a Gigantamaxed Alcremie will change to G-Max Finale, and this will heal all Pokemon on Alcremie's side while dealing damage to an opponent. We do not know, yet know what the exact wording of this means, but right. what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, that's that's a bit concerning. Is it For, for when we do doubles, is that just going to be just your partner Pokemon next to you? Or is it going to be your entire team? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, glad to meet Kate. Hey, did anyone notice, like, all creamy is, like, 98 feet tall? That's, I don't think that's a type. That's really 98 feet. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I think Joe Merrick tweeted out that it's the biggest Pokemon right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, these are in, like, the Gigantamax forms, right? Because, like, forty about 45 feet. And Dreadnoughts are like 78 feet or something. Yes. So these are very, very tall Pokemon. Now, uh, Gigantamax Corviknight gets a signature move for when it uses uh, flying-type moves in its Gigantamax form called uh, G-Max Wind Rage. And uh, while this one also deals damage just like the other one, it also has the form of... Uh, it also works like Defog, getting rid of entry hazards, reflect, light screen... And then, most importantly, it mentions electric terrain uh, or terrain moves. And so, this is an interesting mechanic that a lot of players are theorying about. Has Defog been buffed to remove terrains now, or is this just a form of this special G-Max move? Hmm. Kamal, what do you think? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it were just specific to this G-Max, to this G-Max move, but it would, be, it would sure give Defog a whole... No, the purpose if you could blow away uh, terrains too. It's like right now, to, right now the basically the way you counter terrains is like put in your own or wait for the one that's on the field to run out. So this would be a some interesting new counterplay there too. Don't forget Lycanroc's signature Z move. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. Is that oh, that's yeah, how yeah. that 
you could have used that you could have used that in the past to do have similar effects here and what's what's interesting is that electric terrain remember it's more than likely we're not going to be having Tapu Koko in the game but the way oh, the ter yeah, terrains are going to be set up now is going to be game. by other it's going to be by other um max moves right so yeah. there's going to be these interaction of these max move of the dynamax moves and the gmax moves um you know resetting and tearing away terrains and all that so uh, it's going to be very very um dynamic <laughs> and uh i'm still holding out for some pokemon to be given the uh terrain surge abilities uh kind of like what we saw happen to torkoal and gigalith and pelipper as we entered into uh sun and moon oh my god i'm hoping that that, oh would, that would be kind of fun to give some lesser-known Pokemon the spotlight, like they did, uh, I think, pretty well entering into Sun and Moon. You are scaring me so much right now. Jeez. <laughs> I do hey not want to Hey, man, there's no escape in these terrains. Now, on to the last one. Uh, Dreadnought has the G-Max move of uh, G-Max Sto Stone Surge, which transforms water-type moves. Uh, and this, again, deals damage and has the side effect of setting up sharp rocks uh, around the opponent's side of the field when when the pokemon enter the field they take damage if this sounds Boy, familiar sound to you like? singles players <laughs> that's because it is stealth rocks uh this is a attacking move that has the side effect of setting up stealth rocks my goodness well um i mean like the biggest implication here is that if you use this early and it stays out on the field for enough time um you're going to have you know, Focus Sash and anyone with Sturdy who... Any, okay, yeah, you just nullify that. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And with the introduction of this potential defog buff, or at least the uh, presence of this G-Max move from Corviknight, we might see entry hazards uh, have a little bit more of a role in VGC. More specifically, defog having a bit more of a role in VGC as it's getting rid of these terrains that we will be seeing a lot of thanks to the max moves setting up uh terrains and weather as they are used so uh defog is going to have a bit more use and if dreadnought is a good pokemon if it has uh, a strong stat distribution it might be setting up stealth rocks all the time i'm really interested to see how uh how dynamax and gigantamax pokemon are going to play into competitive play because like, there's really no president for it right now so yeah, and so with this uh, Alcremi uh, move announced and saying it heals all the Pokemon on Alcremi's side, uh, that tells me one of two things, in that either Dynamax and Doubles, uh, Dynamax will be allowed in Doubles, which is something that we're still kind of debating. Uh, you can almost assume, but I mean, we've yet to see it, I think. So uh, Dynamax and Doubles, and more specifically Dynamax for VGC, uh, I think this is hinting more towards it being confirmed we'll see dynamax in vgc and gigantamax i guess uh the other thing is uh these uh three pokemon so uh alcremi corviknight and dreadnought uh the theory that i've concocted from seeing these pokemon got gigantamax special forms is that these are the end of these pokemon's evolution lines they uh they probably won't evolve anymore because i imagine the credit would be given to the final evolution for a special Gigantamax form. And uh, I don't think many Pokemon, if any, are going to break this rule unless uh, you count like Pikachu, who breaks all the rules. 
Yeah, Pikachu's just, as mascot, gets so much privilege and gets to do anything at once. So Pikachu, yeah, just breaks all the rules. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of on the different opinion for Dreadnought, at least. Um, I think Dreadnought could still evolve. Like, this is good evidence to support that this is probably, like, a single stage uh, or, like, the final stage, if anything. But, I don't know. It looks, it, Dreadnought looks so tiny that it could have still have another uh, form to it. But... Unless Dreadnought is the final form for Nessa, and maybe there's a baby Pokemon that evolves into Dreadnought. So, I don't know. I have no idea right now. I'm still on the side that it evolves until I'm proven uh, otherwise. Come on, Steven. You gotta take a dive. Good one. Um, anyway. It wasn't supposed to be a pun. Yes, it was. I'm just saying you get... No. Yeah, it could... No. Okay, it could have been. It's part water type. Oh, it could have been, though. I realized after I said it. Uh, the last thing, though, before we uh, wrap up here is uh, a couple of things announced uh, were version exclusives, such as uh, two gym leaders, which uh, hasn't really been done before except for like black and white where you could face um, the two different gym leaders. But they had mostly the same team. I believe the only difference was their Pokemon had different genders. Um, however, this time around, uh, Sword gets a exclusive fighting type gym leader. Uh, uh, Shield gets a Ghost-type gym leader. And then, probably more important for the people uh, wondering about which Pokemon they want to put on their team, uh, they announced two or four total version-exclusive Pokemon. Dino and Jengmo-O will be exclusive to Sword, and Larvitar and Gumi are exclusive to Shield. Now, which way is this swinging you guys? I know you guys have probably already made picks, but uh, what is, what is this doing for you? Hmm. It's, it's kind of tricky, because I've I, I I like both the new gym leaders, so like they're, they're both like super good designs. So like, which whichever 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 game I pick, I'm probably going to be uh, feeling some type of way about not having the other. But hmm, as for Como versus Tyranitar, hmm, and Hydreigon versus Gudra. Oh, I like Gudra though. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess for for me, um, in terms of the version exclusive Pokemon, it does not that doesn't matter to me. Um, I'll be able to get everything eventually. Uh, for my team, yeah, I don't really care about those four specifically about who's in what game. In terms of the gym leaders, though, like uh, Bea, who is the fighting type for Sword, reminded me of Maylene from um, Generation Four from Sinnoh. I think she was the fighting type one from uh, Veilstone, actually, and then. Alistair for Shield, which I'm still going to be getting as Pokemon Shield, uh, reminds me of the Ghost Type Elite Four member from Gen Five, which is Chantel. So I think that's right. So um, I'm pretty happy with getting the Ghost one because that one looks a lot cooler to me. I agree with so, that. Yeah, Ghost is um, nice, super strong. Yeah, looks super creepy, and I like that a lot. But uh, yeah, uh, the gym leaders, you know, they look pretty neat so far. The, uh, that those version exclusive Pokemon, uh, pretty indifferent about. Yeah, and then, uh, Leon still looks so ugly. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you, uh, did you see that chairman in the suit? Yes. He, he, he's supposed to look all official and stuff, but he totally screams like the main villain to me. You know? Nope. It's the woman. The woman partner, O Olena? Oleana? Uh-huh. She's the villain, easily. You think so? I think it's I think it's the guy in the suit. Maybe it's both of them. It's all a conspiracy. 
They both could be in on it, but I mean, it's just that Pokemon theme of never trust authority. <laughs> never trust adults. At least we're not looking at uh, Lysander, who was uh, just screaming villain the whole time to the point that I was like, it'd be a cool plot twist if he wasn't a villain. And then they were like, no, no, he is definitely a villain. I have tricked you all. I have fooled you all. Lysander, haha, my evil plots. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, well, the real villain's Milo. Oh, no. Ooh. Not my Milo. I love Milo. He, he looks so evil. He doesn't have a nose, like Voldemort. Oh, no. No, do not do not talk down about my Milo. <laughs> he is too good. Too pure. These are some, like, good reveals for these first few gym leaders, though. Like, I'm gonna, I'm looking forward to what else they've got in store for us, so we'll uh, keep learning this over time, but I think it's about time we wrap up here. So, thank you to Kamal for joining us on our show today. We really appreciate you being here uh, with all your input about the uh, different game we that's in Pokemon's uh, official tournaments here, as well as uh, just joining us today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Alrighty, and folks, um, you can find us on uh, you can find us in a lot of different places. You can email us your feedback, your questions, your comments to uh, vgchypervoice at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Um, you can subscribe and leave us feedback to all, in all those places. Leave us reviews and all that. Download the show from there as well. You can also find our Facebook group on Facebook. And you can find us on Twitter. The show's t- uh, handle is at the Hypervoice. Lastly, you can find all of us personally as well. You can follow me at Super Morioka. And Alex, where can we follow you? You can follow me at LexiconVGC. And Kamal, where can we all follow you? Follow me at Kamal Harris. Don't mistake that for Kamala Harris. That's the center of uh, California. Just Kamal oh. Harris. K-M-A-L. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that must be pretty common, huh? Yeah. Same letters. Just one switched. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to think of that. Wow. <laughs> that's hilarious. I'll be honest. Like, hold on. Do you ever get like, um, yes, he does. You do. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> tweets and comments from, uh, you know, political people are like oh. you know, random people trying to tweet at the wrong person there. Um, not not from like high level political people, but it, it has happened before. Yes, gotcha. The, like the general public. All right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, good to know. So everyone, make sure you follow the right Twitter handle there. That is a uh, Kamal Harris, like he just mentioned. Um. Anyway, that's our show. Thank you, the listeners, so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it, and stay tuned for more of the Hyper Voice. Aloha. <laughs>